then we'll, we'll strike out. We'll strike Not out? Not strike out. <laughs> we'll set forth. How's that? That's a little better. <clears throat> um, I actually, I'm, I'm actually going to ask you a question, Pastor CJ. Seriously, what time should we quit? Okay, okay cool. Good. Praise God. I was Perfect. hoping that's true. <laughs> it's always like we have about 500,000 things to say and 20 minutes to say it in. And so... By noon. By All noon. right. Praise God. Okay. <laughs> he saved you guys. <laughs> so first of all, let's just pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be here and share the love of Jesus Christ with the people in his church in this city. We thank you that you care for everybody here with an intimacy beyond what we can fathom. I pray today that Mary and I will, will say the things that you want each person here to hear so that they can grow in their faith, grow in their love for you, Grow in their understanding of who you are and what you have for them and what you want them to do. Father, thank you for every good thing that you give us. And I especially thank you for eternal life in Jesus Christ. Amen. And Lord, we're your vessels. And so we just ask you, Lord, that you'll um, direct us in the way you want us to go. And that as we, sh- as we share what you've been doing, Lord, that um, people will be ministered to mm-hmm. regarding their own life with you, Lord, and their walk with you, Father. Um, mm-hmm. And we just believe for your direction by the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. Amen. Praise God. We have been missionaries in India for the last eight years. <clears throat> and on, uh, I believe it was October 20th, we ended our time there. When we first went there in 2005, we were there for a month that year in September. And when we came back, we, we began to pray and seek God. We knew God wanted us to be somewhere in the world. And we'd prayed it out, and, and we prayed it out and discovered that it was India. And we thought he would, was going to put us there for the rest of our lives. And God, you know, wasn't deceiving us or anything, but he had to have us believe that so that we could have the kind of ministry that he wanted us to have. We, we didn't have a coming and going ministry. We didn't go for a short time and leave. We lived in India. We had an apartment there. had different ones, but uh, we lived in an apartment and and learn to live in India the way Indian people live in India. And that's, um, you know, vastly different from America just because of the way things are uh, in other countries and just the, the way of thinking and so forth. So um, a couple of years ago, India began to change their law, their visa laws. You have to have a visa to go to a foreign country, generally speaking. And they began to change the laws so that we were discovering we can't stay anymore and do the job God's called us to do. Our job is to preach the gospel and teach the word of God. That's it. Uh, witness also, but that's, I count that preaching. And so that's what we were doing. And they've, they've made their laws such that each visa, they've actually increased the number of visas, but made each one extremely specific so that you can only do such and such on this visa. They have a missionary visa, but you can't live there on it. You can apply, and if they give it to you, they'll, they'll give you a certain amount of time, it's a single entry visa, means you can go and leave one time. And it's for a specific job or purpose or thing, and that's it. And that's that's just not us. We have to be there to do the job. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. If you have your Bible, please open it to Mark chapter 16. And I'm just going to read verse number 
or if you have your Bible on a phone, something <laughs> we have no concept of depending on in India. <laughs> like you're depending on the telephone and the electricity and the Internet, or telephone and electricity. We could never do that in India. <laughs> um, he said to them, go into all the world and preach good news to all creation. So as Owen said, that was our job in India. And it's a, it's still strange for us that it's finished now. The last time we saw many of you was at the missions conference, and we were preparing to go back and finish up, clean out our apartment. We had a three-bedroom apartment with one bedroom. One was a bedroom, and two of those rooms were our home office. So we had you know, eight years worth of furniture and office supplies and electronics and appliances and ministry materials and books and your life. And so we went back right after the missions conference. We kept trying to leave earlier, and I think God held us here to be at your missions conference because you all blessed us so much before we left and encouraged us. So we went back and and um, sold a number of things, gave away a bunch of stuff, and brought what we could back and uh, um, put closure on something that we thought would never end. But this is, I guess, following Jesus. And so now Owen and I are in the process of, as he said, preparing, and as Pastor CJ said, preparing for that next work for the Lord. So as we were talking about this, Owen and I were like, so should we just tell them about the future? Should we tell them what God did in India? Should we just talk from the word? And Owen said, yes. I'm like, I don't know how you packed that in. (laughs) So when you said three, I was good. (laughs) Um, Can I tell a story? So we went to India with the intention to do all that, to take care of that job with absolutely no idea how you sell furniture in a foreign country or how you give it away or how you get your stuff back. We uh, left the States in July to go. We went, spent about two weeks in Thailand and then went to India from there. So we were there about two and a half months this time. Okay. The one thing that's still allowed on our visa is we can go house to house and visit with people. And so, like, if we have friends who are Christian, we can go to their house and minister to them in their home. And we're still allowed to visit with people in that way, pastor friends, people like that. So our landlord was a Hindu governmental official, and so we knew, you know, we needed to inform him of the changes. So we got back there kind of like, okay, God, it's got to be you to figure out how to do this job. We worked it out to to get on the one of the last flights that still had a good rate to bring a number of suitcases. So I was thinking about this during the 9 o'clock prayer when Pastor CJ was talking about testimonies. And I was, we got out of the car from the taxi from the train station at our apartment, believing God that all our stuff would be there, and it was, praise the Lord. And the first thing that happened is a homeless woman who lives in a tent across from us came over to greet us and tell us, oh, you've been gone so long. And the second thing that happened was we had a new downstairs neighbor. They came over and said, we're Christian, and my wife is sick, and you will come pray for her. <laughs> Welcome back to India. You will do this. <laughs> this is often couched, uh, couched in slightly nicer terms. You will just do this one thing for me. Yeah. <laughs> and so he said his wife was bedridden. They didn't know why, and she'd been bedridden for a long time. And um, he wanted us to come downstairs um, and pray for her sometimes. So as time went on, we were waiting on the Holy Spirit for the right time to go down there. This doesn't seem like a really 
What I'm going to tell you when we went doesn't sound very missionary-ish at all. So we're waiting on the right time to go downstairs. Well, it turns out downstairs is a husband and a wife, his parents, and they're the and two children of the husband and wife. The wife is the only one with a job, and she is mad about it. <laughs> and her husband doesn't seem to be looking for work. And the way she expresses it is she comes home and yells at everybody, and we hear it all. <laughs> I mean, we hear it nightly. The, the reason we hear it is because our apartment, we're on the, the second floor, and there are three uh, what we call wind tunnels. Uh, in India, they build houses, if they go up, where there's light and air. And so everybody above can hear everything that goes on down below. Mm-hmm. So we could hear her every night yelling at her family, yelling at her husband, throwing away around the stainless steel dishes and just having a fit. She's very, very angry. And the worst part is when you go in the bathroom, you can hear it the most. So spent a lot of time in the bathroom praying for her. (laughs) I'm like, Lord, please help this woman. She is really bad. So one day she has a huge fit. I mean, she's just going crazy and it won't end. And she's yelling at the kids. I said, let's go downstairs and talk to them. We go downstairs to talk to them and they hide. But now the missionaries have come, right? Oh, good. You're here. Yeah, yeah. We will deal with the yelling. Anyway, you will pray <laughs> today for the grandmother, Mrs. McGee, as they call her, right? Yeah. A, a lot of Indians have uh, English names. Um, down through the time that the British were there, I suppose that's how they acquired them. I'm just going to tell you a little aside. The way we got the apartment that we were in at the end came through a man named Wilson, Mr. Wilson. And he's, a, he's an Indian guy. And he's been there for, he's been in his little office for 42 years, he told us. This was in 2010. And I was curious, you know. He's Indian. There's just no question about it. I said, Mr. Wilson, how did you get your name, Wilson? He just looked at me like I was daft. And he said, from my father, of course. It's like, (laughs) I just let it ride right there. It's like, how can I get across what I'm trying to say? It's a very literal nation. (laughs) So McGee is probably... Came from the British or somewhere down the, down the way. So, you know, we look in this little dark room without a single window. It had one window, but they put a window AC in. In India, when they put a window AC in, they cover the rest of the window with plywood. So there's this older woman laying on the bed in this completely dark room. And many of the women of India, especially in the more conservative cities like ours, don't hardly ever leave their homes. And they certainly don't leave their home without anyone else. Like in our city, I realized I do not leave my house without Owen. I don't go out without him. So, you know, there's this woman. She's laying on the bed. The room is just dark and dreary and sort of damp almost. And, you know, she probably hasn't been outside of her house in a long, long time. They say, this is Grandma. She's bedridden. She can't get up. And um, just a few days ago, she lost the ability to speak. She speaks English and Hindi, but she lost all ability to speak. And, you know, it's very humbling because we came downstairs because the mom was having a fit. And now here we are in this room. And, of course, the compassion of God just comes upon you. And you're like, okay, Lord, what do, what do we do? So Owen and I walked in the room, and Grandpa walked in, and we started to take authority in the spirit over whatever demon that was. And I knew that was a demon tying up her tongue. Should I go ahead? So, like, like, 
she's she's laying down, right? So I sat down and I took her hand and I'm talking to her like this. And everybody else starts talking to each other. And I start talking to her and she looks up straight at me and she says in Hindi and English, now keep in mind, she's never seen me before and she's never been out of her house. And she can't speak. And she can't speak, they said. But we walked in and took authority over the demons. And she looks straight at me and she says, I saw you in a vision. You came and prayed for me and Jesus healed me. So all I can think let, is let me just interject something. This is supposed to happen all the time on the mission field, I suppose, but when it does, it floors you, man. It's like you're kidding me, right? All I can think is this has to be all you God, because like I just have no part in this except I just showed up. And I'm thinking, what do I do, Lord? And they're still all talking to each other, and I'm still holding her hand, and she looked at me and said it again. I saw you in a vision. You came and prayed for me, and Jesus healed me. And now, today, you will pray for me, and Jesus will heal me. And I still get chills. I mean, I just felt like, uh, I told Owen I wanted to ask her, what did I do in the division? (laughs) I mean, because it's like, there's no training for this. There's no preparation for this. You know, you're just like, okay, Lord, you know, I surrender all, whatever you want to do, all the songs. And then he does this. So we just stayed there for quite a while with her. And in India, it's really important to make sure someone who says a Christian is saved because every human being has to be born into a religion in India because Hinduism is the main religion and people are born, a child of a Hindu is born Hindu. Of course, a child of a Muslim is born Muslim. A child of a Sikh is born Sikh, according to the Indian belief system. So the, all of India believes that if you're the child of a Christian, that makes you Christian. So even the Christians believe that. So we usually work very hard to make sure they're saved. So I talked with her for quite a while in Hindi and English. And the funny part is now she's talking with me and, like... <laughs> No one acts like this is weird in the room. They're just all like, oh, good, Grandma's talking. <laughs> so, so, I, I want to explain what she's saying. First of all, there are very few white, blonde women who can speak Hindi in India. And Mary can, and she can understand it, and she can minister in that language. It's, it's the national language of India. People don't even seem to be weirded out by that, you know. But you don't see them everywhere talking. It's just so she shows up and she's talking to people in Hindi and so forth. And so it's like, wow. And then just the fact that she can minister to somebody doesn't get them. And then when somebody actually receives something like that from God, you know, you think there's jumping and shouting and dancing and carrying on. And it's like, no, they just look at you like Basically, nothing happened. You know, it's like, wait, a miracle just happened here. This woman can't talk, and now she can talk. Does, does nobody notice this? And it's like, you just sit there and marvel sometimes, you know. <laughs> a few years ago, we were in another state, and there was a, a young man that they wanted us to pray for, and he couldn't walk. 
Can I interrupt and say, it's amazing that Pastor CJ talked about testimony because Owen and I were wrestling with the Lord. He was telling us to share some testimonies and we were like, I don't know, Lord, will anybody get anything from testimony? And then you stood up with that word. So he was, he was laying on the bed and, and I couldn't speak his language. So through a translator, I asked him how long he'd been laying on the bed and couldn't walk. And he said, it's been so long that I cannot count the days, meaning a long time. So I said, okay. What this guy and everybody else there didn't know is I've never prayed for anybody like that before. I've prayed for people to be healed from various things, but not that. And it's serious, you know, it's a real deal. And so kind of in my mind, I kept hearing the story of Peter and John praying for the guy in Acts 3. And he got healed. So I thought, well, if they can do it, I can do it. Same Jesus, you know. That's my heart. My mind saying, you're crazy, man. Just absolutely out of your mind. So I had to squelch that and, and you know, keep it in my heart. So I started, I, I told him, I said, I'm going to pray for you, and Jesus will heal you. Do you believe that? He said, yes. I said, okay. So I prayed for him, a very simple prayer. I just said, Jesus, in the name of Jesus Christ, be healed. You will walk. So in India, in the, in the living room where we were, they generally have a bed, and it's often about this tall. And he was on the bed and we'd got him sitting up and I thought alright praise God we're going to check it out and see if it works because I'm praying for you and I'm not going to have you lay back down on the bed and say you can't walk so I had him by the hands and when I prayed for him I said now you're going to walk and I put not not a real tight grip but enough that he knew I was holding on and I just took a step backwards and brought him with me and he stood there and I thought glory to God (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. You're real. And I said, all right, let's walk. And I took his hand and just took off walking. And he came with me. And I thought once again, glory to God. I couldn't do this in a billion years myself. Because you know from the word of God that Jesus heals. And you've seen it happen. And you read about it in the word. And now it's your turn. To do that, Amen. you know, and, and it's like, I don't know how to describe this exactly. Sometimes there's a fine line between believing the word of God and wondering if it's going to happen. It's just there. And so you just believe and you say, okay, the word of God says, and I'm going for it, man. So we walked down there and we walked back. And the reason I told this story was because nobody marveled that he could walk. <laughs> they all just, just stood there and stared. Oh, okay. My personality, I'm jumping up and down and praising the Lord. <laughs> and all the Indians in the room are staring at me. I'm like, here, praise God. Let's thank him for the miracle. <laughs> so when Mary prayed for this lady and she could talk, same thing. Right. It's as if we just finished some tea and everyone's happy about it, you know? <laughs> So back to the downstairs neighbor. So Owen and I laid hands on her. And we told them all that we were spirit-filled and that we were going to pray in the spirit. We were going to pray in tongues over her. Before we prayed, I made sure, I asked her, you know, I made sure she was saved. And I asked her a series of questions about, you know, had she received Christ as her Savior and a number of questions. And I like to ask, where does Jesus live? 
you know, like, is it way up there somewhere? I let them answer, and she pointed to her heart, that Jesus lived in her heart. So after I was sure she was saved, then I asked her if she believed Jesus healed. And she said yes, and she knew Jesus was the healer. Because I wanted to make sure we're operating on, I know she, she had this vision, but I still wanted to find out, are you going to heaven? And, okay, what do you believe from the word about healing? And then we went over some Bible verses, and then Owen and I laid hands on her, and, um, uh, I feel like missionary is on-the-job training all the time. You know, you're like, okay, let's just pray in the Spirit. And, and they all look so confident, like we know what we're doing. You know? <laughs> and we just prayed in the Spirit for quite a long time over her and um, laid hands on her head. I felt really led to lay hands on her head and deal with whatever demon had tied up her tongue some more. And we just kept praying over her for quite a long time, I think, didn't we? And spoke healing over her. Yeah probably 10 or 15 minutes, spoke healing over her. And then when it was finished, she just very casually sat right up. And we're like, wow. And then they said, well, get her some food. And I thought, that's biblical. You know, they raised up the girl. They said, feed her. (laughs) So (laughs) they went and got her some food. And then she started talking to me some more. And um, then the husband, Mr. McGee, looked at Owen and he said, I perceive that you are Pentecostal. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) He said, you pray different from the way we pray. (laughs) We said, yes, that's correct. And we we started talking with him about would he like to receive the gift of the gift of the Holy Spirit and pray in tongues. And he really wasn't very interested. But his granddaughter was standing there and she's probably 16, 18 years old. She was interested. And so we got to talking with her and finding out if she really would like to pray in tongues. And she said, yes, I'd like that very much. So we once again made sure she's saved. Uh, Want to get everything in order here first. And just laid hands on her and and prayed for her. And we, we coached her a little bit ahead of time. We said, whatever comes, it's okay. Don't be afraid of it. It won't be a language you know. She knows uh, Hindi and English. And I said, it won't be one of those. It'll be something else. You won't understand it to start with. And it's okay. Don't be embarrassed. You can speak kind of softly, but we want you to speak out of your mouth whatever's there. And we laid hands on her. And we told her that this is God. When you, after we pray, lay hands on you and you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the ability to speak in tongues, this is God. And so when you open your mouth, you might feel a little nervous, but we're going to all know it's God. And there's going to be a witness in the room, and we're going to all want you to keep doing that. And you may only get one syllable, whatever you get, we told her. Just keep going with it, and just know this is God. And that really ministered to her. So we laid hands on her. We laid hands on her and, and prayed for her to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, to pray in tongues, and the words just started to flow out of her. It really was like a river of living water. She just started praying in tongues, and the tears were rolling down her face. And she prayed for several minutes, and then she stopped. And I said, pray some more. I just wanted her to know she can do this herself. You know, God didn't magically do something to her. She can pray herself when she wants to. So she prayed some more. And when we're all done, McGee, the granddaddy, looks at us, and he says, my granddaughter has been changed forever. It was amazing. Um, 
after that, we were talking to the family. We wanted them to understand faith because now grandma's sitting up and she's talking. So we started to talk with the family and the granddaughter, especially really clicked in. And, um, we turned to Mark chapter 11. I just felt led when we were with her to share this with her. And she, she looked and she said, well, grandma's up and, and grandma's doing better. I hope she's healed. I hope she's healed. I hope she's healed. And we thought, that's not going to work because grandma's already, you know, moving around, eating, talking. And so we were like, what do we do, Lord? And um, we had told... We, we also knew that in that family, we could tell this in the spirit, that the only one with any faith was this girl that just received tongues. And grandma. So the, this girl, we told them, first of all, Grandma needs to hear the word of God now because we didn't know if she had gotten back the ability to read yet. And we said the word of God has the power of God in it. You can't even explain it. It's just true. And so we'll bring you an audio CD of the Hindi New Testament for her to listen to. And we asked them to play one chapter every day at least so that she would hear the Bible. And uh, they agreed. But we were talking to the granddaughter about, she said, I really, I really, really hope this works. So she had her Bible... And um, I asked her to read this, starting in Mark chapter 11, starting in verse number 22. And, you know, I have to say this. It's so funny that you can minister to somebody and sometimes get your own answer. Because I got some of my own answers as I told her this and have repeated the story. Mark chapter 11, verse 22. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. I tell you the truth, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, and I said to her, stop. And she said, okay. I said, what's it talking about? And she said, what I ask for in prayer. And I said, what's it say next? And she said, believe you have received it and it will be yours. I said, go over that again. Tell me again. And I said, does it, what does it say after you pray? And she said, therefore, I tell you whatever you ask for in prayer. And I said, stop. I said, does it say after you get it, then go ahead and believe it? Because I like if it says that because it's easier. And she looked and she goes, <gasps> and she went cold. She had never seen it before it was her very very first time to see it and she goes no it says whatever you ask for in prayer believe you receive it and then it will be yours and she just stood there no one had ever shown her this verse in her life it's such a great honor on the mission field that Owen and I get to do this she just stood there And I said, do you know what that means? And she goes, you prayed and I have to believe grandma's healed. (laughs) And I said, yeah, so you have to, if you believe she's healed, then you have to say, thank you, Jesus, grandma's healed. And then according to the Bible, and then you receive it. And it was amazing to watch this young girl see that from the word of God for the very first time. And she got it. And she's like, oh, okay. And then she started telling them, okay, so grandma's healed. Grandma's healed. Grandma's so healed. So I told her, you know, later today or tomorrow or someday, 
rest of your family is going to say, I hope grandma's healed. And it'll be your job to say, grandma is healed. healed. They prayed. I believe she's healed. So praise God. Um, we, you know, after that, we went back upstairs, stayed a while longer, ministered to the family, went back upstairs. And when it was time to get ready to move out, McGee, the grandfather, came to us and he said, Grandma gets up now and she walks to the front door of the house. And in fact, she stands and looks outside up the balcony to see up on your balcony to see if she can see you because she knows that you came and you prayed for her and Jesus healed her. So she's up and walking now. Praise God. When I was about 23 years old, um, God gave me this verse out of the Bible. It's Matthew 4.23. said, Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. It's the first time I remember God ever really speaking to my heart. I knew I was called to ministry at that time and just didn't get in. There were various reasons that I didn't. So when I was uh, 45, I was not charismatic up to that point, not Pentecostal. I didn't believe in you crazy people. <laughs> I was a little bit afraid of you, quite frankly. <clears throat> and then I was going through a very difficult time in my life. Uh, uh, my wife was divorcing me. That was the difficult time, let me tell you that. And um, I lived in a town of about 10,000 people. And I looked in the phone book for marriage counselors. Man, I needed help. And there were six names in there, counselors and psychiatrists and psychologists and whatever. The sixth name was a man I knew of. I didn't know him, but I knew of him. And he was the pastor of a charismatic church. And I thought, I don't know what to do. And for about two weeks, every two or three days, I would open the phone book and look at those six ads And in retrospect, I realized I couldn't go to the first five. And I was afraid of the sixth one. So one day, one night, actually, I just thought, man, I need some help. And I called him. And I said, I I, I would like to come and visit with you. I need some some help here. I need some counseling. He asked me what the problem was, and I told him my wife was divorcing me. He said, come and see me tomorrow. And I went to talk with him. And... As I began to talk, I started to cry. And he said, take your time. These things are very difficult. And, I, I, you know, how people's minds work, I thought, okay, maybe he's not wacko. At least that sounds pretty intelligent, <clears throat> godly, and so forth, you know. So... I was telling him my story, and and he said, did you know that you can believe God for your marriage? Well, the answer was, no, I didn't know that. Uh, And I said, wait, stop. What do you mean? Tell me again. He said, you can believe God for your marriage. I said, how do you do that? He said, there's scripture that promises things to you, and you can take God up on that stuff. You can believe him for it. So I said, all right, I'm in. What do I do? And I started finding verses about marriage and divorce and so forth. This is one of the funniest things in my life. 
my wife actually did divorce me. And all the faith I put into that and all the, the praying in tongues and all the speaking the word uh, didn't change that. But I knew in my heart that this message was the truth, the word of faith, and prayer in tongues and so forth. So lost a marriage but gained things from, from God that actually put me where I am right now uh, in the world and in this church and with my wife. Um, God filled me with the Holy Spirit. I, I prayed in tongues literally eight hours a day a lot of the time. That wasn't because I was so spiritual and God-minded and all that. It's because I hurt. Man, inside I felt like there was a vice grip on me. And I'd pray in tongues and it would loosen up. And so I literally did pray eight hours a day a lot of the time. I had a full-time job as well, so it was pretty busy. Okay, I said all that to get to this point. Some, some of the stuff I say is because of I know God does things. I know the Word of God works. I know that praying in tongues has power, and it does things. And I've seen it in India. I've seen it here, of course, too. Go, going to a third-world nation to minister, uh, minister the Lord to the people, to people, really brings things up in a hurry and a lot. You, you just, you can't fathom how much you need God and how much you need the things of God. There'll be times when we say to each other, man, I'm low on God. I'm just going to spend three hours praying. I need to spend more time with God. And there'll be times when we just spend time with God, praying or reading the Word, or we read the Word together quite a bit like that. And I can't tell you enough how much I praise God for His gifts to minister. Mary and I are called to be missionaries. And we know that there's, there's, you know, sometimes we hate the job, just quite frankly, and wish God would give us something a little easier. And yet, on the other hand, in our hearts, we know it's the only thing that will fill us, that will fulfill us. We know that. No questions asked. Going to do something else? Yes. No. <laughs> Absolutely not. I wouldn't do anything else. So we're transitioning now. We've been to Thailand a number of times, five times actually, and we spent about six months total there, two months at a time, twice, and then two weeks and a week and like that. And so we spent almost six months in Thailand. Uh, it's a much better place, and that's the truth. It really is easier. Uh, the people are, are different, um, easier to deal with and so forth, and yet it's still a third-world nation. So we know we're going to go to Thailand, and it's going to be Ups and downs, ups and downs, ups and downs. And one of the things that I am really glad that we've learned to do is spend enough time with God to just, sometimes just get through it, sometimes to minister, sometimes to hear from God, do this or don't do that. I'll give you an example of that back when we lived in Delhi, India. Delhi has 15 million people in it. It's a huge city. And that's where we lived for three years. And one day we needed to go grocery shopping. And there are various markets. You don't, you don't just go to the mall and get what you need in India. There are malls, but, but they're, they're not set up like ours are. So you don't go, and there's not, you know, there's not Walmart or um, big grocery stores. Grocery stores a lot of times are the size of that sound booth or less. So you have to go to a bunch of places to get what you need. And it was on a Saturday. We're free to go. Let's go shopping. And long about 10 o'clock, we're getting ready to go, and just like we didn't go. It happened the whole day. And we're thinking, what's wrong with us? We need groceries. Let's go. And by the time 5 o'clock came around, it's like, okay, no point in going now because by the time you go and come back, it's going to be really late. So we just stayed home. The next day, 
We read in the paper, heard on the news. How did we hear it? We read on the Internet. On the Internet, on the news on the Internet. In the city that we live in, and markets that we go to, there were five bombings. God didn't tell us that. He just didn't let us get out of the house. And he didn't say, stay home. We just couldn't leave. And so, and re- sometimes you, you understand how faith worked in retrospect. You find out that God did something, and you didn't even know he was doing it until it's over. You say, wow, praise God. That was God. The same thing when Mary prayed for this lady downstairs from us this time. It's like, we didn't know that was going to happen. It's like God doesn't reveal a lot of stuff to you a lot of the time. You just go do it, and then things happen. She said one time we were talking, Mary did, and she says, you know, sometimes faith is like this. You read the Word, you pray, you think you hear from God, and then you take your best guess and go do something. And it's like, that's how it works a lot of the time, you know. And you know... I really hope when we get to heaven that God will show us all these kinds of connections and things. You know, that day that we couldn't leave the house and there were the bombings in the city, what really happened, God? What did you really do to keep us there in the apartment? I have no idea. Maybe there's an angel at the door. Maybe God just wouldn't let us go. I mean, there's all kinds of ways he does things. I would like to see that, you know. Um, don't know if it'll happen, but I would, I would love to do that. You got something? I do. Um, I want to give you another verse. Um, I lived in Chicago before I moved to Oklahoma. And for quite a while, I told Owen God worked with me on the same verses over and over and over again to the point to where it's like, I'm sort of bored using these verses. Lord, could we have some other verses? But he wasn't really interested. Turn to Proverbs, please, chapter 3. Um, these two verses, verses 5 and 6, I felt like for maybe a couple of years, every time I would pray about a problem, the Lord would show me these two verses. And that he was trying to get me to understand how to actually do the verses. Which was very humbling to apply the verses to every situation. And I'm going to tell you after I read them how they applied to us moving out of India, coming here and getting ready to move to Thailand. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. And there was a season where like everything I did, God would just show me something in business before meeting. Okay, are you doing those verses? You know, are you really trusting the Lord with all your heart, Mary, and not your own understanding? And did I stop and acknowledge Jesus before this business appointment when I was in Chicago? And did I believe that he would make my paths straight? And it was a long process of God showing me just over and over again. It really meant in all my ways, in all my ways. So when we went back to India this time to, you know, finish up in India, we had to lean on the Lord so hard because we're like, well, Lord, we've got two and a half months in India. We did two weeks in Thailand, two and a half months, and then we need to get on a plane and we need to know what to do with the rest of our stuff. So one of the first things we did um, was to meet with our landlords and they weren't there at the same time. So first we told her and of course, you know, I'm starting crying and, and, uh, they are a married couple, by the way. 
Yeah, they're the a landlords, married, Mr. and Mrs. They, they're a married couple. And I was crying when I explained to her the law had changed and we needed to leave India. And um, we had told them our testimony of Christ sending us to India. And we told her that now we were going to come to America and raise money to move to Thailand. And we were going to go to Thailand and start a Bible school. So she listened for a long time and she really was very comforting. And then, <laughs> then we got all done talking to her and she goes, oh, so... Right, she's a Hindu. Owen said, tell you she's a Hindu. That's important. So we get all done telling her why we have to leave, and she's very compassionate. And then she goes, oh, so no problem, really. God sent you to India, and now God is sending you to Thailand. So no problem. She's got like more faith than me right now, Lord. (laughs) And I think she said, everything will work out. And so they told us, she said, don't worry. From our side, it's no problem. You move out when you're ready. So a few days later, we kept looking for Mr. Rator. That was Mrs. Rator. We kept looking for him. And he wasn't home when we would go over. So a few days later, he rings our doorbell and he comes upstairs and we explain everything to him. And you know, you have these God fantasies. I have this little fantasy that he's a Hindu governmental official and he's going to find a way to get us the only visa where you can live there and minister there. But that wasn't God's plan. He said, oh yes, you're right. The law has changed. You'll have to go. And he said, no problem. We're going to help you in any way that we can. We're going to make this easy for you. Um, They ultimately bought some of our furniture from us because they said everyone will know you're leaving and they don't have to give you any money for the furniture. So you tell us the price and we'll buy it from you. So they bought a lot of our furniture, which was an unbelievable blessing. And then we gave several things away to them and to another couple and to some other young women we knew. And um, so when Mr. Rator was meeting with us the first time, I had on the coffee table, I had the verse that we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. And I had it sort of across the room on the coffee table. Mr. Rator had been sitting over there. There's no way he saw it. After an Owen and I finished talking to him, he got up and he's walking to the door and he stopped and he looked straight at me. And he said, you know, he does everything for our good. And I had been asking the Lord for confirmation. And here God uses two Hindus, you know, our Hindu landlords to confirm it. And as part of this Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, as Owen and I walked this out, you know, acknowledging Jesus in all our ways, um, God did some amazing things that allowed us to bring 20 suitcases full of really important things and everything else. He just worked it out. We sold our, sold our motorcycle and our landlord knew how to transfer the title. You can drive a motorcycle in a different state in India. You just can't sell it. So the the, (laughs) the place where you buy it, just like in America, whatever state it is, you have a license plate. In America, when you move to another state, they require you to change your license plate to that state. India does not do that. You can drive it anywhere, and it's perfectly legal. But you can only sell it in the state where you bought it, 
which is pretty interesting. <laughs> so he said, you either have to carry it back to Delhi and find a buyer, like in our spare time, right? <laughs> but he, being a governmental official, said, or you can fill out documents and I can transfer the title because I know these people who work in these offices. And once again, he just asked Owen, tell me how much you want for the motorcycle. And we prayed and really felt the Lord led us for everything we bought. We wanted the buyer to feel like, oh, I got such a great deal. This is a really good deal. So for almost everything, we just wrote down when we bought it and what we paid and asked for half. And um, everyone who bought anything was like, oh, this is so, because it's so time-consuming to buy things in India. They were like, this is such a blessing to me. So we were actually really grateful that we got to do that. And um, we met another couple that we were able to give a number of things to. And we that was a huge blessing to us. They had a great they, they need. Were, here's how my wife's faith works. Sometimes she doesn't tell me what she's believing God for, and it's a good thing. These people <laughs> that she's talking about, they're a couple. They're, they've been missionaries in, in Nepal for 18 years. Then they were in Malaysia for two years. And then they had just moved to Lucknow, India, where we were. So... We met them, and she said, I was talking to God. Wouldn't it be good if some new people came to Lucknow, and they needed stuff like we have? And they love Jesus. They love Jesus, and it will be a blessing and a benefit to them. They're missionaries. They're actually they're, they're working through a... Um, they're, they're Southern Baptists, and they have some kind of... The Southern Baptists have some kind of a company, and they're translators. So they're translating... Uh, Bible stories into the various languages of India. So it works for them to do that. They're, 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 they got a business piece and it works for them. They're not on a tourist or mission. Which is one of, one of the things I asked God for. They'd have to have a way to be there legally. And the Southern Baptist says a group started a business in India and then their people can go there and be in business also. And it's all set up for them that people don't have to individually figure it out. It's just there. And then they can do this business and then they can still do a translation project. They can't preach and teach but they can do this translation project. And so we were like, wow, God. Well, they had left. So many times Mary's faith isn't claiming something from Scripture or even speaking Scripture. She'll say to God, it would be really good if. And he does it. I marvel at that sometimes. Like, (laughs) really? That works. (laughs) So we met this couple, and we just loved them. And they had served God in Nepal for 18 years. Then they went to Malaysia for two, and they just moved to our city. And when we met them and they saw our stuff, they're like, oh, we need that, we need that, we need that, we need that. They'd been there four or five months, and they hardly had anything. So between our landlord and them, we prayed about, you know, like who should get what. And it was like a perfect blend. But when we went to price stuff for this couple, Every time we're like, ah, man, God's not going to let us. We got to give that to them. Oh, that's old. Let's give that to them. And we went over to their house and gave them a table load full of stuff, which you can imagine us on our motorcycle, Owen with a great big backpack on the front, me with a big backpack on the back, and I'm holding a big bag full of stuff, riding to their house to go give them all this stuff. So we gave them all these things. Then the second time they gave to our house, we're like, "Uh, there's more stuff you wanted to buy. We've got to give it to you. So we came out and gave them all this stuff. And we're like, we just knew God wanted us to. We had no idea why. And did we do it a third time? So then a third time we gave them some things, and then there were some larger items we felt we should sell to them. We sold it to them. 
they were going to be out of town. We arranged a move and actually helped supervise the move to their house of the stuff. But before they left town, they said to us, you know, I have to tell you, the Lord is so amazing in what he does. You know, when you obey him and you don't know why you're doing it. So they said to us, um, are you selling anything here in the country? And we said, yeah. And they said, just make sure you get the money before you give it away. And we're like, yeah, we will. Why do you say that? After 18 years in Nepal, some of their Nepali friends wanted to buy some of their stuff. Took the stuff and never paid them. And they were heartbroken. And I thought, you're amazing, Lord, because you used Owen and I to restore them, to say, okay, somebody basically stole from you. Here's some stuff, here's some stuff, here's some stuff. And I was so grateful to the Lord that during our difficult departure, we could still be used in these ways to be a blessing to people and to do something for the Lord that we really had no idea And, you know, the only part was we just heard his voice and and obeyed. That's it, man. So then, of course, when they did the move, I packed up two more. We both did. Two more big cartons full of stuff and put it in their apartment. So when they get back, they don't even know they're going to find more stuff that we left for them. Because we got to be a part of them being restored in Christ. And as as a missionary, you get things stolen from you on the mission field usually from Christians, sometimes pastors and their wives, sometimes other missionaries. And, you know, the devil would love to say, this ain't worth it. Don't do this. This isn't worth it. They're steal- you teach for them, and then they steal from you. And I got healing because we've had things stolen from us on the field. Meeting people who did it for 18 years And they were stolen from at the end. And I knew that they're going to have to forgive. And we got to show them Jesus will restore. And so it really helped me heal. Okay, so I'm not a unique missionary again. (laughs) And it really helped me realize, okay, I just give it all to anybody who took anything, Lord. It's amazing when you're serving God, wherever it is. It can be right here in in Stillwater or anywhere in the world. And your heart is to do the things of God. How God will show his love to other people through you. He's, he's done that many times through us. We've just been blessed by the Lord to be an instrument of his love and his compassion and his mercy to people. And they get something from God. And it's, it's like you see that happen and you say, okay, my life started out on a farm in South Dakota. Nobody's from South Dakota. I mean, it's like a nothing place. You know what I mean? That's kind of how everybody else feels about it, except people from there. There's probably somebody from South Dakota here, isn't there? (laughs) Okay. Anyway, that's where I started. And then when I was 10 years old, my family moved to Colorado. And I look back at my beginnings and I say, this is God all the way. I became an atheist when I was 14 years old. That's the truth. I hated God. I couldn't stand the idea that there might be a God. And when I was... um, 20 years old, I got saved. So God worked in my life and changed things. But I started out on a farm in a little town of a 1,000 people outside of town, about eight miles. And God put me in a nation in India where I've spoken the name of Jesus to people who've never heard it, where 
I've laid hands on people and they've gotten healed. And no one else was able to do that. Where we've led people to the Lord who they've, they've had missionaries in their town for years and years and years. And for whatever reason, God used Mary and I to lead them to the Lord. And it's like the most glorious and, and wonderful thing to be able to do that. And we've got like eight minutes left. I know. And we were like going to talk about what happened in India and the future. The second session starts at. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I do need to quickly tell you what the Lord did with our landlord. And First um, Timothy chapter 2 has some verses that I taught on a lot in India. And I really was encouraging the Christians. You know, there's a lot of persecution in India. And I was encouraging the Christians to pray for their leaders and pray for those who persecute them. And I taught this a lot. And we used this a lot and prayed for them a lot. And I prayed for the opportunity to bring the gospel to some of the leaders of India. So in 1 Timothy chapter 2, starting at verse 1, it says, I urge then, first of all... And, you know, we have this need in America right now. When you're gone from your country and you come back, you can really feel it. And we really have this need in our country. It says, I urge then, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. So at one point, the former mayor of Delhi became our landlord, and I had an opportunity to minister to his wife. He was always gone, but I had lots of opportunities to minister to her. But when we were living in Lucknow, before we moved away, our landlord was a district magistrate, which... From what we understood, it meant he was in charge of another district, and we thought it was like a little county. And um, so we understood he's a governmental official, and we had many opportunities to share about Christ and how the Lord called us to ministry. So this time when we were there and we were dealing with them during our move, we had a lot of interaction with them. And Owen asked Mr. Rator, Mr. Rator had just retired, and he said, Mr. Rator, how big was your district Here's a statistic. (laughs) I was reading on the Internet recently that the world has now reached the 7 billion population. 7 billion people on earth. One-sixth of them live in India. One-sixth of them live in China, approximately. So one-third of the earth's population lives in two countries. Uh, India is divided up into uh, states like America and then districts, which is similar to counties in America. Um, our state has 200 million people in it. It's probably about the size of the state of Oklahoma. Mm. If it was a nation, it would be the seventh largest nation on earth by population. So that lends credence to what she's about to say. So Owen said to Mr. Rator, so, you know, what was the job in your district? And Mr. Rator said, I was the top person in charge of my district. You know, they gave me a home there. They had 25 servants, 23 servants, 10 of whom were security. And he said, you know, those servants that worked here at the house where you've been living, those were provided by the Indian government, the security there, which we thought was amazing. And then Owen said, well, how big was your district? And Mr. Rator said? Two and a half million people. 
We had no idea. We just had. What, what it means is somebody comes to him and says, do this or this or this. And he says, do this. And they do it. And he's got not absolute authority, but a lot of authority over a lot of what goes on in that district. So we realized at the end of our time there that we've been so blessed by God to sow seed into this man's life. And during the process of us moving out, you know, we made this great connection. And at the end, he said, we will really miss you when you're gone. And on the last night, they had us for dinner before we got on the train. And he said, when you come back, there is no need to ever stay anywhere else. You will stay with us in our home. Which is like, praise Jesus for that opportunity. And I know in America, our leaders know, because we've been gone, we can and I know all of you have lived in it, you know it, we can feel they really, really need our prayers. Um, Owen and I had planned on that we would tell you what happened in India, and then we'd tell you what we're going to do. So you have three minutes <laughs> to so, explain the Bible school that we're going to do in Thailand. <laughs> sorry we didn't get to that. We actually are shifting to Thailand. We're in America right now, and we brought what we could bring to to, to America. We're staying in Tulsa. That's our base. And... We're going to move to Thailand. We're raising money to start again in Thailand. That's what we're doing. As soon as we have the money to go, we're going. And I don't mean like a plane ticket plus $50. (laughs) (laughs) We we actually want to have enough money to go and and to stay there and make sure we've got got, uh, everything we need to do our work. We're going to start a Bible school in in Bangkok, Thailand. That's, That's what we feel like God's going to have us do. And... Um, Bangkok, by the way, has about 8 million people in it. It is the average number you come up with of all the population statistics. And so um, we feel like that's what God wants us to do. It's a, it's a Bible school where it's going to be very um, relationship-oriented and, and um, interactive, where we'll teach three days a week, and then the other days we'll spend a lot of time with the students talking about what's going on in their life, what the teaching means to them, What's happening with them? Every afternoon, uh, we're going to spend an hour together reading the Word, and we're going to spend an hour together in prayer. We want them to understand that the Christian life um, has some requirements, actually, uh, that God wants us to do, and then some benefits if you do the requirements. If you spend time reading the Word of God and spend time in prayer, God does things. And we really want them to get it into their heart and into their life that Spend this time with the Lord and see what happens. And one of the reasons we want to spend a lot of time talking with them and having them talk with us is, first of all, so they'll get comfortable sharing things about their faith. And secondly, so they'll... A lot of the time when you talk about things, you gain more understanding of them. Here's a book that you don't quote too often, Philemon. just one chapter. In verse 6, Paul says, I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. Sharing your faith brings understanding of the things of God. And so talking about what you believe and what's going on and what you've been reading and your questions and so forth will bring understanding. And we want the people that we teach to have that. We traveled all over North India teaching in Bible schools and churches and, um, and Bible studies and so forth. And it always ended up, we wish we could teach these people more and longer and spend more time with them. And that's when God began to, to bring 
this Bible school into our heart to start ourselves. So you can pray for that, if you will, for us. And once again, you know, like leaving India, we didn't know what to do. Well, starting a Bible school, it's the same story. We don't know what to do for sure. Obviously, we have ideas, and God's going to show us as we go. But it's like, okay, today do this, then this, then this, then this. We're going to go and start a school. We're going to rent a place to live, rent a place to have the school, and so forth. We're going to live there just like we did in India. We're going there, and we're going to live there. So please please pray for us about those things. We really need that. And there are times, I'm telling you, we'll ask God, Lord, we can't pray enough for our need. Please have other people pray for us now. And within a few minutes, we'll know that God has done that. We can sense it somehow in the spirit that God has got people praying for us. And Thailand's halfway around the world, so right now it's um, it's, it's actually um, 13 hours difference, depending on daylight savings time. It's 13 hours difference, so it's 1 o'clock in the morning there right now. So if you wake up in the middle of the night, it's our daytime over there, and you think you should pray for us, please do that. But if you're, like, hanging out at lunchtime or on the job or whatever, and you think, we should pray for those guys, do that too, because we might not be sleeping, and there might be stuff going on that we need prayer for. And we just, um, God has brought a new awakening to us as missionaries. For the last eight years, we've been missionaries. For the rest of our lives, we're missionaries. But now there's something about it that's deeper. I can't even explain that to you. I just know it's true. There's there's a depth now that God's bringing into our life and our ministry that's changed. And part of that's through prayer. Um, we just believe God for that. So I'll just wrap up. Thank you guys for, for having us. We really appreciate it. It's really easy to preach and teach in this church. Uh, some places we go, it's like the wall's right here somewhere, you know. <laughs> You guys are so receptive to hear from us, actually, and then from the, from from God and the things of God, and we really, really appreciate that. Yeah, thank you so much for all of your encouragement, how warm you all are, and all of your support for so long in so many different ways. We really, as Owen said, you just we just can't say enough how much we value that. I told Owen, there's I think there's a spiritual connection with the church between a missionary when there's like a partnership and and I've seen that over the years and just experienced it and this Bible school I I, I have to say this I'm so excited because I feel like God walked up to Owen and just went like this over time and just put this vision in Owen's heart for this Bible school, he said, people have questions and they need to ask questions and they need to have discussions. And I'm like, yeah, and they need Bible homework. And he's like, you know what? They don't, until they know their Bible, they don't even need any other textbook. We're just going to use the Bible and they need to be able to stand up and say, I tried to use my faith and it failed. What went wrong? What should I do now? And get answers and they need to know us and we need to know them and they need to know each other. And so we're really excited about the fact that we can actually really see this and we can see that it's really relationship based. We can't even express how much it's relationship based and Mm -hmm. how we're going to build bonds with people that we're going to have for years and how we're going to know them and they're going to know us. And our real deep desire is that they know their Bible from the Bible school, that they know their Bible and that they use it in ways that they never used it before and grow in Christ. So thank you. So it's after 12, and you guys might think we're cheating a little bit on time, but we're biblical. (laughs) We are? Yeah. (laughs) In John... (laughs) 
In John chapter 14, Jesus is talking about the, the Passover and his death and so forth. And at the end of the chapter, he says, come now, let us leave. And then we have chapter 15 and 16 and 17, and he's still talking to them. And then finally they go. <laughs> Thank you.